What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to another episode of the Royalty Podcast. I am your host, Aaliyah Whitfield. In this podcast, we talk about inquiries into our royal ancestors' history. Now, I have to admit, this is catered to describing having inquiry and exploring the African-American experience. But to all my listeners, remember that you are royalty and you are always welcome to listen and discuss anything you hear with me. Before I shed light on that, here's a little background about the Civil War. It lasted from 1861 to 1865. Now, the North and South were at odds for many things but mostly about slavery. Now, African-Americans struggled to gain their freedom during this time, and they had many paths that they took to try to obtain it. It wasn't until Abraham Lincoln issued the Emancipation Proclamation that all slaves from the rebellion states were free, and then the other slaves were freed by the 13th Amendment and gained citizenship by the 14th Amendment. Now, that I have given a little bit of background information, Let's dive into the topic at hand, African-American women entrepreneurship and the different paths they took. In my honest opinion, African-American female entrepreneurship blossomed after the Civil War. Now, before anyone cracks back on me, many African-Americans had their own businesses during the Civil War. But in terms of establishing businesses, I would say they were more prominent after the Civil War. There are many success stories of African-American women having determination and perseverance in starting their own businesses. I have a total of five stories that I'm going to share with you. Each one is unique in their own right. To start off, we have Miss Elizabeth Keckley. Yep, I said Elizabeth Keckley, the woman famously tied to Maritime Lincoln because she became her seamstress. Now, Miss Keckley was born during the year 1818 into slavery and in Virginia. She was a slave for all of her life until she was able to buy her freedom and that of her sons due to the hard work that she gained from herself. Now, before that did happen, she took up the skill of dressmaking. Seeing how she was getting clients and clients, she donned the name Seamstress and created her own business. In her book, Behind the Scenes, 30 Years a Slave and 4 Years in the White House, Elizabeth Keckley states, I was fortunate in obtaining work, and in a short time I had acquired something of a reputation as a seamstress and dressmaker. The best ladies in St. Louis were my patrons, and when my reputation was once established, I never lacked for orders. With my needle, I kept bread in the mouths of 17 people for two years and five months. Once she started to get known for her work, she did not have to worry about not having a way to make money for herself or those around here. her. 17 people. She fed them and herself for two years and five months. That is a very long time, and we should all be proud of her. For that, I'm just going to give her a clap. If she were not determined, who knows? Maybe Mary Todd Lincoln would have never heard of her work, and she would not be known for that fact. Next on my list is Miss Sarah E. Good. She was born into slavery during 1850. After she gained her freedom and married her husband, Mr. Archibald Good, they moved to Chicago, Illinois. 
as the plug. It is important to note that many African Americans moved up north after the Civil War. They figured that they had more opportunities and it was a better way to get themselves away from the South. Both Sarah and her husband ended up the owners of a furniture store. Reportedly, her clients had a hard time fitting beds into their living spaces. Hearing that, Sarah ended up making a cabinet bed. Yeah, I know, right? A cabinet bed. Weird, huh? I found the patent that she filed with the United States government securing her position as the first African-American female to have a patent. Yep, y'all know it, Royals. Gotta give that a clap. It was patented on July 14, 1995. Now, Sarah states the purpose of her cabinet bed being, the objects of this invention are, first, to provide a folding bed of novel construction adapted when folded together to form a desk suitable for office or general use. Second, to provide for counterbalancing the weight of the folding sections of the bed so that they may be easily raised or lowered in folding or unfolding the bed. Third, to provide for holding the hinge or folding section securely in place when the bed is unfolded. And fourth, to provide an automatic auxiliary support for the bedding at the middle when the bed is unfolded. Wow, that's pretty cool, huh? She wanted it to be comfortable also for her clients, but main thing is usability, storage. She didn't want it to take up their whole living space or just their space in general. It's a two-in-one combo, you guys, and you know we love those. Not only do you got you a nice cabinet to store for your office, and you can probably do some work, you also got you a place where you can lay your head. If that ain't the baddest thing, I don't know what is. All right, Royal. Now I'm going to switch it up a little. We go on now to Madam C.J. Walker. Every African-American lady's favorite hair care lady. She was born on cotton plantation in 1867, so a little bit later than the women that I previously mentioned. After becoming an orphan due to her parents' death and moving around from sibling to sibling, she found herself in St. Louis, Missouri with her brothers who, funny enough, were barbers. That's right, royals. It was all a dream to her and it became a reality. She did end up working in her brother's shop, doing whatever they needed her to do. So she started out young, which was a good thing. After she worked for her brothers and worked for another lady called Miss Annie Turbo, she established her hair care line and made a name in the early hair care industry for herself. Royals, I'm about to blow your mind. Madam C.J. Walker was such a businesswoman that she had her own business car. Yep, I know, right? I never heard of that either, too. Yep, her own business car back in that time. This was round, This was found off the Black Archives of Mid-America. It states on her card, for expert scientific beauty service in clean, dignified surroundings, and at a price you can afford a pay. That's right, she's watching out for their pockets. Okay, balling on a budget. Visit the Madam C.J. Walker Beauty Shop. Marceline, so curling the hair, and dyeing, dyeing the hair, a specialty, 1834 Paso Boulevard, phone grand, 8839, she probably left the rest of it off, so I guess protect, you know, identity, will gladly serve you. Now, Royal, if that isn't a way of hustling, I don't know what is. 
Clearly, Madam CJ knew how to be a good businesswoman and to market herself and what she was selling, her services. Second to last on my list is Miss Lydia E. Pinkham. She is the oldest of the women, being born in 1819 in Massachusetts. Now, her story is a little different, as she was born into a Quaker family that was also abolitionist. Miss Lydia got a reputation around town for her own concoction of herbal medicine when she got older after her teenage years. So when times got hard and she needed to turn a profit, she started to sell it. At first, it started as her selling her bottles for $1. Now, Royals, we know that had a different value back then, so I would say that was a definitely a good amount of money. Then she got so big that she ended up going from a kitchen to a laboratory that used her recipe to make the bottles. If that isn't just a boss going to work, like what? I was able to obtain a look at one of her pamphlets of her medicine company from Harvard University's library collection. Now, the pamphlet is really cute, with the front being a woman and her daughter reading the same pamphlet I'm describing to you and mixing one of her recipes. Now, just to give you an insight of the pamphlet, we're going to look at a page. Page two, it states how to make bread rolls. I know, pretty cute, huh? Right under the recipe is the advice from your druggist. So that would have been back then, one of the druggists that maybe you would have went to would have had advice, and she put it in a pamphlet. Now, here's the advice, which really is a suggestion to use Lydia's vegetable compound, which I guess is her medicine that she was marketing. Pretty smart, huh? If that wasn't enough, underneath that is a personal account of how the medicine helped a lady who used it. Just about every page is the same way. No matter the health problem, her vegetable compound will do the trick in stomach it. If I wasn't limited at time, I would have probably tried it. That's probably a good testament to her willpower. Now, Royals, we have the funny lady of the hour, Ms. Maggie L. Walker. She was born in July of 1864 in Richmond, Virginia. She had a pretty conventional upbringing. She attended many institutions of learning. Now, her mother supported this and them by running her own laundry business, cleaning laundry for her white clients. Now, get that. Her mom had her own business. Therefore, the value of hard work was already instilled in her at a young age, and she most likely worked in her mom's place. Knowing that, I definitely see where Maggie inherited the business dream. Everything really changed when she joined the Independent Order of St. Luke, an organization that Biography.com states dedicated the investment of African Americans in both financial and social standing. Now, she will stay with that organization for the rest of her life. While creating many things, she founded the St. Luke Savings Bank. Now, Royals, get ready to clap. The first bank to ever be charted by African American woman. Okay, that deserved an automatic clap. She also went on to serve as the bank's first president until 1929. Okay? I found a letter she wrote to fellow co-workers that were her main goal to raise money to pay for the building's furniture. The beginning of her letter states, My dear co-workers, 
This is my second letter addressed to you concerning the furniture fund to furnish our new St. Luke building. We are appealing to every member of the I.O. St. Luke to donate. That is to give $1 towards this fund. Hint, hint, Royals already talked about the value that being different. We do not want them to beg this $1, but to make their personal sacrifice and give to this call. Now, that's what I call leadership and working to get the job done. She clearly wanted to be able to pay for the furniture, so she took the steps she deemed necessary to ask for help because she wanted people to donate. She wanted people to believe in what they were creating. And that is definitely what happened because this bank definitely soared off into the sky once founded. Royals, I know I have been talking for a while, but let's sum this thing together. What do each one of these women have in common? They were business women. While each woman had a different upbringing before, during, or after the Civil War, each lady followed their dreams and made businesses that would leave significant impacts for not only their families, but their communities. Some went closer to the domestic route with ties to home, like Sarah E. Good with the cabinet bed, or even Lydia E. Pinkham with her medicine company. But others chose to start a bank or even their own hair care business line like Madam C.J. Walker. So, to answer the question I posed at the beginning of this podcast, African-American women utilized their skills and dreams and matched that with the need they saw the community needed to catalyze social change. Where every person I listed served more than the African community, they did establish an effect the prestige African-American women were known for. Yes, the prestige. Maybe they weren't known for greatness yet, but this was definitely a great step in the right direction and moving forward. Had the Civil War lasted any longer than it did, who is to say these same women would have been in the position to make their own choices freely? The bottom line, they did not let the hardships of the Civil War stop them from accomplishing greatness. Because of that, we have so many female entrepreneurs today who don't have a seat at the table, but are making their own. Hey, if you need someone to look at, just think about Oprah. She makes everyone happy, and she's one of the baddest people known around. LOL. My royals, that is all I have for this episode. I hope you can enjoy it and learn something new. Can't wait to discuss a new topic with you on the next podcast. See you later. Have a good day.